Hi everybody, welcome back to another Tennessee Holler Facebook Live. I'm Holler founder Justin Canoe. Or tnholler.com is where you can find us to subscribe and contribute. Thank you for all the support you guys have given us. We've been able to expand. We're at Memphis Holler now, at Knoxville Holler, at Nuga Holler, and we have more brewing. So please subscribe to get our emails, contribute, and uh, we really, really appreciate it. And also, the audio of this podcast will be available. Audio of this will be available on a podcast on iTunes. So subscribe to us there. Uh, today we have a special show. We're going to talk to at least one lawyer that was involved with the case to let Tennessee vote safely without having to risk our lives, as well as we're joined by Jerry Green, who's running for state house over in Memphis. And Stephen Mulroy is the attorney. Stephen, how are you? Just fine. Thank you. Thanks for having me. And Jerry, how are you doing? Great. How are you guys? Awesome. So I guess, Stephen, why don't we start just with a little background, if you could, uh, how did you get involved with this lawsuit and uh, who, wh- who, what were the details, the basic details surrounding it? Well, I began to notice that other states around the country were changing from having a strict excuse requirement for absentee balloting to no excuses because of the pandemic and because of the very reasonable fears of voting in person would uh, make people risk contracting the disease or passing it on to others. And I was wondering why Tennessee wasn't doing the same. And when I heard that Tennessee was dragging its feet on that, I decided that I thought uh, some sort of lawsuit was uh, was appropriate. So I started calling around to all the lawyers and um, getting some advice about how to proceed. And my former student, Jake Brown, at Apperson Crump um, said he would be agreeable to help. So the two of us teamed up and after consulting with some different lawyers, we decided that state court would be the best way to go. Uh, state constitutional claims uh, would be better than uh, risking uh, some getting a bad judge in federal court. And also, the Tennessee constitutional law regarding the right to vote is actually more favorable, stronger protection, uh, believe it or not, and under the case law than under the federal law. So we filed that suit, and uh, Judge Lyle, Chancellor Lyle, and Chancellor uh, of the Davidson County Court uh, realized that this was something that needed to be handled expeditiously. So she scheduled uh, expedited briefing schedule and expedited hearing schedule. And uh, we made our arguments and the state made their arguments. And then we had a a four hour oral argument last week. And uh, true to her word, the judge ruled quickly last Thursday night saying that all Tennessee voters can choose to vote absentee if they want. I guess, Jerry, let's turn to you. And and what was your feeling hearing that we won that lawsuit? I am so pleased with the result of the lawsuit. I know that um, those in power and those in the GOP will fight to appeal it. And I'm very disappointed in that because I believe that we should make voting easier, not harder, especially in these trying times. Um, So I was thrilled. And of course, to know Steve personally and Jake, um, made it even uh, more special to me, but mostly just for the voters of Tennessee to be able to exercise this sacred part of our democracy in a safe way is so, so very important. So Stephen, how surprised were you by the result? Did you feel like we had a chance to win this thing? Because, you know, 
just speaking as a layman, I was pretty shocked. Right, right, right. Well, um, when I first filed the suit, I mean, I thought we had a, a reasonable chance. Otherwise, I wouldn't have filed the suit, but I really wasn't able to handicap it one way or another. But after the hearing and oral argument the day before the ruling, um, I, I, well, I, first of all, I thought that the, the fact that the judge was moving expeditiously and had scheduled a quick hearing was a positive sign. And then when we had the oral argument, it was pretty clear that uh, Chancellor Lyle had read everything. She was incredibly prepared. And she wouldn't let the state get away with um, its misstatements and mischaracterizations. And by the end of the oral argument, I, I thought we had a very, very good chance of, uh, of winning. And I was very pleased that we did. And by the way, while I uh, have the mic, let me just mention that although Jake Brown and I were the principal attorneys on the case, we also received substantial assistance from two other Appers and Crump uh, attorneys, uh, the legendary Bruce Kramer who's been doing public interest litigation for uh, decades, and uh, Melody Derniker, who was formerly with the Public Defender's Office and now with uh, Apperson Crump. One of the things that I read that the judge said was that the Republicans, I guess is what I'll call them, own witness poked holes in the idea that vote by mail is riddled with fraud. Can you tell us a little bit about that? Yeah, um, that was uh, really a satisfying part of the ar argument, I think. Uh, they brought in the Secretary of State of Washington, Kim Wyman, to do a declaration saying that there's just no time. We couldn't possibly get ready to do this in the time allotted. But her uh, affidavit was focusing on a complete conversion to vote by mail, where in which everybody is automatically mailed a ballot, the way they do it in Colorado and Utah and the state of Washington itself. And that wasn't what we were asking for. We were just asking for that. We still have a regime in which you have to apply for an absentee ballot and they process them as they come in, but you wouldn't have to have an excuse. Your excuse essentially would be, I don't want to catch COVID. Um, and that's a very different kettle of fish. But then after we started looking up her public statements, we realized that she had been going around the country helping other states to convert to no excuse absentee voting, to expand their absentee voting because of the pandemic. And that she had um, made public statements and even written a guest editorial in the USA Today just a w month or so ago saying, look, these concerns about mail uh, voting fraud are misplaced. You know, and, and she said even said that she was disappointed that leaders would try to use that as an excuse. And so I think it was very probative that their own expert uh, discounted their made up uh, concerns about absentee ballot fraud. Now, Jerry, is that consistent with the Republicans that you know that there would be hypocrisy involved in the arguments that they make? Because that comes as a real surprise to me. Well, you know, um, my favorite thing about the ruling was something that I tell my kids all the time, something I learned when I ran the St. Jude Marathon, which is hard is not impossible. If you have a will, there is a way. And the judge laid that out in her ruling and said if there was the leadership and the initiative then this could get done. There's the resources available to them, so they have the ability to do it. And I find it frustrating that our current representation continues to put up roadblocks to really important voter access like this. This bill, there was a bill introduced before everything closed down for the pandemic, I believe by Bo Mitchell, to allow um, vote by mail. There, was reintroduced when they reopened by London Lamar through an amendment 
And both times the supermajority voted against it. My opponent voted against it. It's taking us going to that lovely third branch of our government to keep our legislature in a in that check and balance that's outlined in our constitution. And it's so important that we get this passed and we get voting so that we can stop this onslaught from the GOP of just trying to put a break on something as simple as voters being able to vote in a pandemic safely. Well, Jerry broke up a little bit there, but I want people to know she's running for a state house in Memphis and she's running against a guy named Mark White. Uh, you mentioned voter suppression, just a few of the things. I mean, there's voter ID, which was a big, that's kind of the start of it a few years back. There's voter registration criminalization, which came as a direct response to the registration of over 90,000 people by the Tennessee Black Voter Project in 2018. And now there is what I consider to be naked voter suppression, resisting letting people vote safely during a pandemic. So, you know, it's this agenda of voter suppression. I keep wondering, when is Secretary Trey Hargett's performance review going to be up? Because if he's responsible for getting people to vote and we're at the bottom in voter turnout, isn't he doing a bad job? I mean, how else is he supposed to be measured other than by the numbers? Stephen, I want to ask you now, Okay, this happened. They're appealing. Where do we go from here? And what is the status right now if people want to vote absentee? Sure. So they um, are uh, seeking leave to appeal. Uh, we are currently litigating that right now, whether they'll be able to take an immediate appeal, whether they'll have to wait for a final judgment from the court. Um, either way, the appellate courts are going to look at this and uh, their decision will be the final decision. I will point out that uh, this judge in her decision uh, did a really thorough job. Uh, she used um, a, a more conservative legal standard, so she couldn't be accused of uh, using the wrong legal standard. And she made extensive factual findings to support our, her her ruling, which of course uh, makes it harder to overturn on appeal, but who knows what, what will happen in the appellate courts. But in the meantime, that order is the law. And it is in fact the case that today, anybody is able to vote absentee. And according to the plain terms of the court's order, what you should do if you want to vote absentee is you should go to the website, Secretary of State website, and print out their form, their application form, and check the third box, the box that says that you are hospitalized, ill, or disabled. Because what we're doing is we're considering ill to be, we're all afraid of, uh, of COVID. You don't need to check that other box that the Secretary of State on its own motion without checking with the court um, added, you can check the box that says hospitalized, ill, or disabled, and then you're entitled to get your absentee ballot and to vote your absentee ballot. Now, the state is also seeking a stay of the court's order pending appeal, and we're still litigating that, and the court still has to rule on that. But unless and until the trial court or the appellate court issues a stay of that ruling, it is and continues to be in effect. It is the law in Tennessee Anybody should be able to vote absentee by checking that third box that talks about hospitalized, ill, or disabled. Well, before this happened, I actually reached out to two election administrators in Williamson and Wilson County. Neither of them said it was impossible. Both of them said it would take time. And so that's why I'm happy this happened quickly. I hope that there's enough time. I'm sympathetic to that. I mean, I do think a, a drastic change like this probably would take some preparation and time. And hopefully they'll have enough of it now. Uh, one of the things that we saw this past week 
in the House was London Lamar introduced a bill to essentially impose something like this. And Rep. William Lambert, the majority leader, stood up and said that Democrats are trying to steal elections and stuff ballot boxes. Either one of you, would you like to address that? Let's start with you, Jerry. Well, I want to talk a little bit about what you just said, like it'll take a little time. When the pandemic happened, um, when we first started closing everything down and went into quarantine, I got exactly one day notice that I was going to still continue my full-time job, still run a campaign, and start homeschooling three children. And you know what? I did it. They have had since early March, if not before, to know that this was coming and to start preparing, and they haven't been doing so. And the GOP-led legislature has put up more and more roadblocks along the way. So there is absolutely no truth to the fact that Democrats are trying to steal an election, that we're trying to stuff a ballot box. You can look across our country. Mail-in voting is used in both Democratic and Republican states. Utah, where Mitt Romney is, and it is mostly Republican, up and down the ballot, they use universal vote by mail. So the idea that if we had more people vote by mail, that would be more Democrats, that's ridiculous. We'll have more people voting Democrat because that is the party right now of sanity, of common sense, and compassion. Could I also address that, uh, do they have enough time question? Absolutely. Just I want to point out that, and the, the court made these findings in the record, the, the state already has more than enough absentee ballots and envelopes printed to do the job. What they did, they decided on their own to be ready for everybody over 60 to vote absentee. So they have 1.4 million sets of absentee ballots and double sets of envelopes ready to go. That's 33% of the registered voters in Tennessee. An August election has, in this century, never exceeded 30% turnout. So by any reasonable measure, they already have what they need. So, you know, there will be perhaps some uh, ramping up in terms of staffing at the county uh, level, but they're already engaged in doing that anyway for all the over 60 voters. So the court found that they really were already ready to do what needed to be done for August. And if they just did for November what they've already done for August, then they would have enough absentee ballots and envelopes for every single voter in Tennessee, 100% turnout and 100% choosing to vote absentee in November, an event which has never occurred once in Tennessee history. I'll also note that um, of the 16 states in this country that still require some sort of an excuse for absentee voting, all the others have long ago given up that requirement. 12 of the 16 had already voluntarily on their own switched to no excuse absentee voting for the, the duration of the global pandemic emergency. And um, at least five of those did it on just as tight a time frame as the one that we were asking Tennessee to do in our lawsuit. So I don't see there's any reason why if all these other states can do it, Tennessee can't. It's just like uh, Jerry was saying, with the right leadership and determination, they can do it, all these other states could, and they already have enough balance. We constantly see Republican leadership in Tennessee saying Tennessee is such a special, unique state. And yet with this, they say, oh, we can't do that, even though other states are doing it. I wanted to I flashed this on the screen while you were talking. That was my fault. I was just testing it out, trying to get fancy here. I'm going to show you this right now. This is a Republican uh, mailer that says to their own voters, voting by mail is an easy, convenient and secure way to cast your ballot.
Yeah. So when, when they're talking to their own voters, they want people to vote by mail because they want to increase it. But when they're talking to us, it suddenly becomes fraud riddled and difficult and too hard. So the bottom line there is, uh, did you see it, Stephen? I see you. I, I, no, I saw it. I thought on. that's a great find. The, the use of the word okay. secure is just delightful. Um, and I'll also Happy to mention, send it to you. Yeah, please do. <laughs> Uh, yes, uh, please do. I, I'll also mention that I published an article in the uh, national publication, The Hill, a month or so ago, in which I did a study of the Heritage Foundation database. This is a conservative think tank that is really concerned about voter fraud, in particular absentee ballot fraud. So they're motivated to find as many examples of this as they possibly can. And they have a database going back decades of all the reported instances of fraud, including absentee voter fraud, um, in the various states. And um, I did a study and it showed that per capita controlling for time, that kind of fraud is no more common in the vote by mail states or the no excuse states as it is compared to the strict Tennessee-like states. In fact, per capita, that rate of fraud is higher in the strict states like Tennessee, which is exactly the opposite of what you would expect. So, so really this, this, this uh, fraud thing is itself a fraud, I, I believe, when we're, we're hearing those advocates talk about that. Yeah, we just had um, the Shelby County Election Commissioner on the local news here. And when she was pressed on this issue, because she, too, said there would be lots of fraud, when she was asked exactly how many cases of fraud that they found in the 2016 presidential election here in Shelby County, she said maybe five to six cases. There were over half a million people who voted in the 2016 presidential election in Shelby County. So I'm a lawyer, I'm not great at math, but I believe that is well less than 1%. <laughs> yeah. So I just want to address a couple of the comments so they know that we can see them. Uh, Dad of 10 and two says, post it on social media. We did that, happy to do it again. Uh, I know we sort of flood the zone on social media, so it's easy to miss things, but we will post that. Uh, Republican mailer that we showed. And then I also want to address uh, Life is Good BH, who seems to disagree with us. She says, we do not need everybody to vote by mail in Tennessee. She says, I will vote in person. If I can go to Walmart, I can go vote. Geez. And then she also says, uh, are we still in a pandemic? Just curious with all the lack of social distancing. I think the way that I would address this is, first of all, why are Republicans so afraid of more people voting? Like, why is this the thing that you're digging your heels in about? And secondly, I would say, yes, it's great that you will go to Walmart, but you are not everybody. And there are people who take care of people who are or live with people who are immunocompromised. And they're not the ones that are out there protesting right now. So this is a way to make this available and safe for everybody. I'll give you a chance to address this also, Stephen. But I, I just keep going back to if we can save even a couple people by making this available and it's not by any stretch, even according to the heritage foundation riddled with fraud, why would we not do it? And I don't, I just, I want Republicans to think about why they're so afraid of more people voting. Steven, go ahead. No, you're, you're, everything you said is exactly right. And I would just add that if you are immunocompromised and, and you know, that could be all kinds of conditions that are quite common in the population that trigger that like hypertension or diabetes. Um, if you are immunocompromised, or you live with someone who is, or you're the caretaker of someone who is, you can always get somebody else to go to Walmart for you. And in fact, most grocery stores are delivering, so you can have your groceries delivered to you. There is no such option with respect to uh, voting. Well, at least there is now, thanks to the court decision, but there wasn't 
uh, according to the Tennessee state government. I have good news for our friend. She says, I'm saying those that cannot vote should vote by mail, but not to enforce all to vote by mail. Guess what? That's not what's happening. We are not enforcing all to vote by mail. We're making this option available to everybody who is afraid of voting in person during a pandemic. So look at that. We found some common ground. Hopefully we educated somebody here today and it makes this entire show worth it. Uh, So now we're moving forward. Hopefully we're going to have this. We're going to actually go ask some election administrators what they're doing. Is it now on the individual election ad- administrators? Thank you for clarity. Clarity, I think, is what she's saying. Great. Look at that. Perfect. Feel free to subscribe and we will hopefully clarify more things for you. Uh, is it up to the election administrator, Stephen, what they do from here? Yes, it is. Um, However, I have uh, the sad news to report that the state is not actually cooperating with the court's order. And that's the subject of a motion that we filed last night seeking sanctions against them for um, violating the court order. Uh, The coordinator of elections in Nashville sent out an email to all the county election administrators saying, hold up on processing the COVID-related absentee ballot requests. Just take their name and information and hold off on it because we're going to try to get a stay of the court order. We're going to try to get uh, it overturned on appeal. Who and said this? Court- Mark, was that Mark Goins? Mark Goins. Yes. Let's yes. name, let's name him okay. as much as possible. Sure. Sure. Mark Goins sent the email. We, we got a copy of the email and presented it to the court in our pleading last night. Um, and that is not in fact what the court order says. The court order says that they are to immediately start, pro- you know, processing the applications as they come in and to, treat the COVID type of people, you know, just everybody the same. And there's no justification in the order for segregating those requests and treating them uh, less favorably than a typical absentee ballot request. And that'll be the subject of uh, court hearing on that. Lauren Sorensen, who is a educator, I believe, and a big part of the anti-voucher movement says the state not cooperating with court orders is starting to become a pattern. She's right. I mean, this is not the first time we've seen this. What happens, lawyers, uh, when the state stops cooperating with court? Like, is this, are we in our own little constitutional crisis now? What, what do we, where do we go from here? Well, I'll let Jerry speak to it as well. But I mean, in, in a nutshell, when that happens, then the party that got the benefit of the court ruling has to uh, move for uh, sanctions, and which can include civil contempt. So, you know, it's, you're in contempt of court when you're in violation uh, of a court order. So you need to get the court to enforce its own orders, and it can do that with a number of different things. Hopefully it won't come to that. Hopefully uh, the state will, will realize that what it's doing is in violation of the court's order. Jerry, I want you to address that too, but I, I just also want to point out that between this, vouchers, the voter registration, criminalization, and there's probably three or four things I'm not thinking of. Governor Lee has on a real losing streak and his agenda has been a complete and total unconstitutional waste of time. Tell us your feeling about the constitutional crisis and also about Governor Lee's agenda in general. I'm, I'm reminded of that um, commercial about Facebook that's like, that's not how this works. It's not how any of this works. That's what I think of when they say, we're just going to pause on a court order and ignore it. That's, you're not allowed to do that. So just like vouchers, you know, that eventually they had to take the case again and waste more time and more taxpayer dollars trying to fight for something that was clearly unconstitutional on its face. And that's just my tax dollars, your tax dollars going to waste. When a court 
decide something, you have to follow the order. I feel like maybe we don't have enough lawyers in the legislature or in the government, which seems almost impossible, but here's some basic constitutional law for you. We have three co-equal branches of government. The judiciary is one of them. They serve as a check and balance on the legislature. So you can't just, even if you have a supermajority and you have a Republican governor and a Republican Senate and a Republican House, you don't then just get to pass anything you want. It still has to fall under our laws. And that's what the chancellor said. And they do have to follow that law. So I wish you luck in your next argument, Steve. I, I, I don't know if I can get on board for the more lawyers. I mean, I guess I can, but really more mothers is what we need. And <laughs> that's why I'm glad you're running. Uh, dad of 10 and 2 asks, who suffers the consequences of civil contempt as the person in charge of implementing the order? I'm going to translate that to what I think he's really asking, Stephen, which is, is there a chance we see Trey Hargett taken out in cuffs anytime soon? <laughs> well, theoretically, uh, civil contempt could lead to that. I mean, there have been cases where um, parties that have not complied with the court order have been ordered to be uh, placed in jail. And uh, the, 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 the phrase is, the keys to the jailhouse are in your own hands. That is, as soon as you decide to comply with the order, then you'll be uh, let out of jail. Um, that's not the usual course. That's an extreme uh, example. Uh, typically, what you might do is you might have fines, um, you know, like so many uh, dollars per day, every day until the party comes into compliance. Sometimes um, the court will make uh, the, the party that's not obeying the order pay the attorney's fees for uh, the other side. There's a range of remedial options in terms of sanctions that the court can impose. Um, you know, I'll just settle for immediate compliance with the court's order. As will I. Uh, one question I know that I remember Jerry wanted to mention, and this is a good question, I guess somebody asked her, is there is a law, I guess, that in order to vote absentee, you have to vote in person the first time. They impose that to make it harder because everything is intended to make things harder on people. Is that still the case with this? Yeah, it's a very interesting question. And um, that's a little bit up in the air. The law in Tennessee is that if you are a first time voter and you registered by mail, you didn't register in person, then the first time you have to vote in person. The idea is they need at least one opportunity to check the photo ID against you. And if you weren't uh, registering in person, then you need to vote in person the first time. Now, a couple of things about that. Um, first of all, that is not, in fact, the federal law. The federal law, which supersedes the state law, says even such a voter would have the opportunity to provide some sort of identification so that they could uh, vote absentee. And that's the subject of a federal lawsuit that's also in Nashville right now <clears throat> having to do with absentee ballots. We got our uh, remedy, we got our court ruling first uh, in, you know, ahead of that federal lawsuit, but still open uh, and to question is that the, 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 the litigants in that case are challenging that state law saying you should still be allowed to provide some sort of identification and vote absentee in that situation. But also, as I read the court's order, it makes no exceptions for those people. And since that's only a matter of state law, and she is a state law judge, then she does have the authority to supersede that. So as I read the order, it means what it says, which is that any voter who wants to vote absentee in Tennessee can do so. So at the bottom line here is your reading of it 
is you don't have to go vote in person first. Wow, right. look at this turnaround. Voter ID for all is what America needs. Oh, the voter ID. Oh, never mind. That's not a turnaround. That's the opposite. Okay. Uh, sorry, I, I spoke too soon. Uh, okay, I appreciate this. This has been really informative. Jerry, I just want to give you the last word here. Let people know where they can find you and, uh, and, and how they can support your campaign. Yeah, if you are looking for a new, better, different Tennessee, then I encourage you to come support our campaign. It's at jerrygreen.com, J-E-R-R-I, green like the color. And we would love to have you volunteer, phone bank, write postcards, donate what you can. Every little bit is going to help us flip this seat and help stop this supermajority from these senseless lawsuits in the future. And Stephen, is there anything people can do to get involved in the fight that you're fighting, or are we really just watching what happens? Right now, it's just, I think, a, a legal uh, battle, but I think everyone really should spread the word about the ability to vote absentee and how you go about doing it and encourage as many people as possible to do so if that is their choice. Okay. Uh, we will post the link to how you can do all that and get all the information. Also follow us at the TN Holler. Uh, say your handles real quick, Jerry. Oh, at Jerry Green 483. And Stephen, I know you're on there somewhere. Yes, at S Mulroy Tellis, T-E-L-L-I-S. Okay, and subscribe to get our emails. We put them out usually Tuesdays and Fridays. And if you could contribute either to us or to Jerry's campaign, that would be great. Thanks, everybody, for following and, and spread the word. And we will see you next time. Thanks for having me. Thanks. Tennessee. Tennessee. Tennessee.